And so last week, like I said, we started, we actually prequeled um, this series in Philippians, and we talked about how the church began and how the church um, was set up. And as we see in verse three, the first thing Paul is doing is he's saying how thankful he is for this church. And last week, we talked about how this church started with just three very different people. And what I didn't tell you last week is there was a common prayer that almost every like, good Orthodox Jewish man would have prayed. And it is not a prayer that I would encourage you guys to pray now. Um, but here's how this prayer went. Every day, most of them would pray this prayer. God, I thank you that I am not a woman. I thank you that I am not a slave. And I thank you that I am not a Gentile. God sends Paul into Philippi and starts a church with a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. Because God wants us to know, I can do what I want with who I want, how I want. Your prayer is crazy. (laughs) And that's how he starts this church. And Paul greets them. And he says, I thank God every time. I remember you. I'm sure he remembered some of that day one moments of faith when people were just coming to Christ. And now that that church has grown. It's flourishing. And he's praying for them. And he's joyful for them. He's grateful for them. And just this reminds me, are there people in your life that you're grateful for? Are there people that you're thankful for? And not only this, have you told them lately? Because unspoken gratitude is worthless, guys. Unspoken gratitude is worthless, husbands, wives. Like if you're grateful, express it. Lots of times I'll think, man, I'm so grateful for this person and I'll think it in my brain and then a second or two later it's gone. Man, let me encourage you to live out what scripture says and just take out your phone sometimes and just send a quick text. Man, I am so grateful for you. You're such a great friend. Boom. Get it out. Let somebody else know that you're actually thinking and you're grateful for them. Paul's writing a letter and he makes sure to make it a point to let them know, man, here's my gratitude towards you. So we go to verse five and here's what he's so grateful for. It says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I want you to take note of that word partnership. Underline it if you have to, highlight it if you want to. But I want you to, we're going to spend some time on this word. And it's, the Greek word is koinonia. Now for all my super Bible students, my Bible nerds, um, and maybe in your scripture even, this word is actually the word fellowship. Okay, it's the word fellowship. And if you're an OG to church, When you hear the word fellowship, you think like a hall or a basement with some casserole dishes. Yeah, come on. Smells like socks. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's fun. That's great. But that's not all that fellowship truly is. This passage is talking about a partnership and spreading the good news of Jesus. Our concept today of fellowship, a lot of times has been watered down to just mean hanging out just hanging out, hanging out with buddies. But my question I want you guys to really think through is are your deepest relationships, are they rooted in Jesus Christ or are they just based on shared interests and hobbies? I mean, do you have like a band of brothers that you guys are encouraging each other in Christ or do you just have buddies with shared interests and hobbies? Do you just have some guys that you like to watch games with and play golf with, some gals that you like to just go maybe hang with and have coffee with? 
Or do you have a band of people together that are rallying around you, praying for you, grateful for you, encouraging you on and spurring you on to be more like Jesus Christ? All of us need some more fridge friends. Do you guys know what this is? Like the people that can walk into your house. They don't ask. They just go to your fridge. They open it up. They start drinking straight from the milk. Like those people that are, they're just a part of your life. And you don't need people that are just coming to your house like that. You need people that are looking at your heart, your soul, your spirit. And they're just, they're willing to tell you, hey, because I love you, we need to talk about this thing. Man, how's your, how's your prayer life going? That they're encouraging you and they're sharpening you to be more like Jesus. Some gospel partnerships. Having a buddy is great. We don't need just more buddies. We need some actual partners in the gospel of Christ. Do you have those kind of people in your life? Because here's, here's what I want us to understand. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We have an enemy that wants to attack us, and we need a band of brothers that are praying for us, a bunch of sisters that are, that are surrounding us with prayer. The apostle Paul says, I consider you partners in the gospel. So today, the title of today's message is this. We're talking about joy. And in this passage, where does the joy come from? The joy comes from partnership. And so the title of today's message is just the joy of partnership. And what I see all throughout the New Testament is partnership of sharing the good news of Jesus really rallies and wraps itself around three things that we're going to talk about today. Believing it, believing it in the gospel, belonging to it, and preaching it. If you want to be a gospel partner, you have to believe it. You have to belong to it. You have to be willing to preach it. So first and foremost, if we're going to be partners together around the good news of Jesus, you've got to believe and have received the good news. John 1.12 says this, all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They're now in a new family. They're in a family, in a partnership together. And I want you guys to be joyful partners in this, but the first question is, have you taken part in the good news of Jesus? Have you trusted that God sent Jesus to the earth to live blameless, sinless, and then died on your behalf? And when he pushed up and breathed his final breath and said, it is finished, that was saying, for you, all of the sin has been wiped away. Your debt is free and clear, and you have a restored relationship with Christ. He rose to give you a new life. Have you believed that? Have you received that? Are you walking in that freedom? Because that's the thing that we are partnered around, a belief, a belief, a common belief. And here's the belief. It's that Jesus is Lord, and he lives. That's the common thing that our partnership needs to be bound on. Jesus is Lord, which means he gets to have the final say in my life. And that he lives. The power that he defeated death is the thing that I put my faith on. So are we rallied around that together, church? Are we partners in that? Because if we're going to be partners, it's got to start there with believing it. And the second thing is, you have to belong to it. So you got to believe in Jesus. Let me tell you first, you can't just say, I come to church and that makes me a follower of Christ. The church doesn't save you. You're also not born into it. This is not hereditary. Okay, it can't be my grandparents are Christian, so am I. You have a better chance of that, but you're not, you don't, you don't just, it's not like brown eyes. Okay, you've got to actually have decided, I'm going to believe in it, and I'm going to receive it. But then, once you have surrendered your life to Christ, you now are 
bought in and brought in to a family, a family to belong to. You're not saved by the church, but when you're saved, you're called to be a part of what God is doing in the church. I've tried to look and find this, but I cannot find solo Christianity. I just, I can't. To say that you don't need a church is like if I met a guy wearing shoulder pads and he said, I am a football player, I just don't need a team. And I say, fool, you are just a weirdo in tight pants. <laughs> like, it's a team thing. It's something that we do in partnership together. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. As a believer, we're called to be connected to Christ, the head of the church, but also to each other as a body that each one of us has a part to play. We're connected not just even to this church, but the capital C church, all the churches in this town, in this country, in this region that are all meeting together with one purpose, to preach that he is Lord and he lives. This might be really gross to you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyways, because I don't care. If you walked out to your car today, and right there next to your car, you found a severed big toe, all hairy and gross. Now that's gross, first off. To- big toes are disgusting to begin with. <laughs> but you found this toe, it's been cut and it's disconnected from the rest of the body and it's just sitting there. All of us would probably immediately think that is gross. But nobody would think, oh, look at that poor toe. It must want to be on its own. That's okay. <laughs> we'll just let it be. No, you'd be like, something horrible must have happened here that this toe is disconnected and somebody's walking around missing a big toe. Where is this hurt person at? But what we do is we look at somebody who wants to just be disconnected from the body of Christ and say they're a believer and we're just like, eh, let them be on their own. Man, the church is missing you and you're missing the church. You're called to be connected to the body. But some of us are just okay with being a severed big toe because... I want to encourage you, you guys coming here, I'm so grateful that you are a part of sitting and learning and being a part of what we're doing and worshiping, but that's just part of the partnership because you can still sit in a seat and be a severed big toe because you're not actually partaking. You're not actually partnering because partnership means that you're actively involved in what's going on. That's why we talk about things like worship. That's why we talk about things like being generous Because when you're being generous, when you're serving, when you're giving, you're actually being participants and partners in sharing the gospel. That's why I want to encourage you to to bring friends and neighbors. Because now we're in partnership together. When you're disconnected, you're missing out on a lot of things. And I know some of you might say, and there's definitely people that aren't in here that would say, man, but I've got church hurt. I, I just want to do this on my own. There's so many one another's in the New Testament that talks about people coming together and doing life with each other. And I understand that there's a lot of people that have been hurt, abused, mistreated by the church, and I don't want to ever discount or discredit that. Because I know broken people hurt broken people. And we're all a little bit broken. But God's plan that he left was to take a whole group of people that have brokenness Surround them with his love and grace and say, go change the world. That's his plan. That's the church. That's you guys. That's what he's called you to be a part of. It's his plan. 
And so we have a decision to make. Are we going to try to do this on our own? Or are we going to actually participate in the plan that he's given and belong to it? A lot of you guys, you've eaten a bad meal, but you didn't give up on eating. You didn't give up on meals. You may have found a new restaurant, but you're still eating. Please don't let some person that has hurt you stop you from being a part of what God wants you to do with his church. Don't let one bad meal ruin eating for you. Don't let one bad thing that happened at church ruin everything. Be a part of what God wants for you. Find a church that you can call home. And then the third thing, you've got to believe it, you've got to belong to it, and you've got to preach it. You've got to share your faith. You've got to share the good news of Jesus. We're partnered around a participation in sharing our faith, to share your faith in Jesus. Now, when I say share your faith, some of you are like, I don't know if I can do that. Because the last time somebody shared their faith with me, I was in downtown Nashville and somebody was just yelling in a bullhorn, you're going to hell. <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm going to a concert, Luke Bryan. <laughs> What's the difference though, right guys? I mean, I'm okay with Luke Bryan, just kidding. But my goal is for all of us eventually to have the confidence to really fully share the gospel of Jesus. That he came, he died, paved a way for us to have new life and forgiveness and freedom. But some of us need a place to start because we're not all the way there yet. We don't know how to get to that point. So let me give you just a few things that you can share to open up the door to share the gospel with somebody. So be prepared all the time to share these things. A prayer, an invitation, and your story. So the simplest way, whenever someone's like, I don't know how to share my faith, said, start learning to say this a lot. How can I pray for you? Let that be a common vernacular that's always come out of your mouth. How can I pray for you? If you're the person at your job that's always just, they know you pray, they may not be a believer, but when stuff happens, guess who they're coming to? I don't know if this works, but man, I know you pray, so I'm going to come to you. So just let that be a common language. You're always just saying, how can I pray for you? Or hey, when I was praying, ask your waiters, do whatever you need to. But it opens the door because most people, they don't turn down prayer. They just don't. The second thing that you can do is sometimes it's just it's sharing an invitation to come to church. And don't share a non-invitation. Here's what a non-invitation is. Hey, would you come to church with me sometime? Sometime is not a time on your calendar, guys. That's not a time on your calendar. Be specific. Say, I'd love to have you come to church with me next Sunday at 11. I'll pay for lunch afterwards. I'm like, boom, free lunch. Okay, be there. Here's a little hack. Ask people how their weekend was. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to turn around and ask you, how was yours? And you're going to say, it was awesome. I had a great time at church. And you can start sharing your faith even in that moment. So be prepared. Share a prayer. Share an invitation. And this one's a huge one. Be prepared to share your story. What has God done or what is he doing in your life? And never discount or discredit that you all have a story. Some people are like, man, I wish I was that person that came from this really messed up spot because then my story would be so much better. We all have something that God has done or is doing in our life. And just look for a way that you can relate to somebody else to share your story. Because the thing is, you may not know all the theological things. You may not know all the Bible answers, but you know your story. 
You know, my marriage was a mess. I used to have this going on. I used to struggle with this. And then Jesus, be ready to share your story with people. Because when you share your story, it opens them up to hearing, how did that happen? Well, it's because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Look for those opportunities. And then this one, I didn't write, just a bonus one, but sometimes it's just sharing another cup of coffee because you're not going to convince them. You're not going to convince them. Maybe they've had their hearts set that they're just not really open to faith and you're just going to be a constant presence in their life. You're not there to convince them. They're not a project to you. You're just someone who's committed that, hey, I'm just going to share times where I just talk to them, have a coffee with them, because my job isn't to convince them. That's God's job, to nudge and convince them. Guys, I can't convince the four people in my house to eat at the same restaurant. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to be able to convince somebody on their faith. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is just to be a vessel for Him. So sometimes it's just continuing to do life with each other, being a living testimony to them. These are the type of partnerships that Paul talks about in verse 5. People who believe, people who belong, people who preach the gospel. He has a deep love and affection for them. In verse 7, he says, It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's so wants to be with them because of the partnership and how they've just advanced the message of Jesus Christ. And he has a heart for them. He cares deeply about them. And some of you guys are like, wait a minute. You just skipped the best verse. Verse six. It's the big one. It's the frame it. It's the hang it on the wall. It says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ, this passage has got so much to it. That verse is so rich. Like, I can't, I'm just going to leave that one out. And here's why. I'm going to invite you guys to just partner. You know, soon enough, I'll be able to be here and lead these things in person. But Wednesday night, Melanie and I, we're just going to jo- jump on our social media stuff, go live and talk just about this verse. So I invite you, man, just join with us even now in a partnership. Right now, digitally, eventually, we'll be together. But let's, we're going to talk just about this verse together. So the reason that I wanted to spend so much time just talking about this verse five and this partnership and the joy that comes from it is because we have an enemy who wants to attack us. And he wants to attack us with loneliness and isolation. There's an epidemic of loneliness. I heard someone after service, because they they heard the message and they said, hey, on, on the Today Show, just this morning, they talked about this exact same thing. The way that people are struggling with loneliness. We have a relationship problem in the world right now, guys. It's a big, it's a big time problem. People have fake relationships. They think they're connected with, to a community. And it's, a lot of times, it's just a facade. Here's some of the things that I, in just in studying and prayer, God said, I need you to speak and preach this because here's some things I found out. Recent studies say that 36% of people reported serious loneliness. Serious loneliness from 36% of the people. And here's some big ones. 61% of young people ages 18 to 25 said they were consistently lonely. 51% of mothers of young children. It means one of the loneliest groups of people on the planet right now is young moms. Come on, church. 
Loneliness increases the likelihood of mortality by 26%. A recent study said that loneliness is the equivalent on your health to smoking 17 cigarettes a day. Let's see if you guys know this. How many cigarettes are in a pack? Oh, you guys are my better church people. The first service, right away, there are a whole bunch of them. 20! I'm like, yeah, those are my cigarette and swear words, people. But good for you guys for not ever smoking. Don't do it. But that's, that's awful, guys, just from loneliness. Loneliness is associated with an increased rate of heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, dementia, depression, suicide. Men, one in six men say they don't have a single friend. One in six men say they don't have a single person that they can call friend. People that really know them, challenge them, talk to them. This is why I think sometimes podcasts are so, like especially like, this is why I think Joe Rogan is so popular. Because then you can have a fake friend that rides around in the car with you and talks about nothing for three hours. (laughs) Truly. It feels like you know somebody, that you're talking to somebody. I love listening to podcasts and things, but those aren't real friends. When your marriage is falling apart, Joe is not going to be there for you. When you're going through a struggle and you need somebody to pray for you, Joe is not going to be there for you. This is why you need gospel partnerships. This is why you need people that you're doing life with and not just random friends, but people who have the same shared belief system as you, that you know will pray with you and for you. The epidemic of loneliness is disgusting. And it's an epidemic that, guess what? We have a cure for. The epidemic of loneliness could be cured if the church would just be the church. If the church would be the church. So here's what I want us to do. Let's make sure that we partner together to make sure that this church is a house where loneliness is no longer welcome. This place is a house. It's just no longer welcome here. We're working through trying to create some core values. And I said, one of our core values needs to be something as simple as this. We don't do life alone. We do life together. We're a family together. I want this church to be a place where loneliness, when we see somebody sitting by themselves or standing by themselves, that we go introduce ourselves to them and say, hey, my name is, how are you? Let's not, if somebody's coming here, this place cannot be a place where loneliness exists. We're going to ask God to help us form strong gospel partnerships. And in verse 9, Paul finishes this kind of stanza here with a prayer. He starts with prayer. He ends with prayer. Paul is praying for these people. Do you have somebody in your life that's praying for you guys? The answer to that is yes. Okay, you have a church that wants to pray with you and for you. At the end of each service, I always have, I invite prayer partners to come up here. They're here to pray for you, not just to look pretty. So if you need to talk to someone, you need to pray with someone, that's why they're here. I invite you that if you have a prayer need, you're like, I don't, wanna, I don't know what to do with it. And there's connection cards. Write your prayer needs on there. Stick them in the giving boxes. We'll pray for them as a staff this week, I promise you. As a team, we walked around this property this week. 
just praying for you, praying for whoever would come here, just spending time saying, God, we are people of prayer. Prayer is going to set the path for us. Prayer is going to be a priority for us. And I want you guys to have people in your life that you're praying for and that are praying for you. That's gospel partnerships. In fact, there are seven things that I've consistently been praying for you guys. And I want to share them with you, but I can't go into them right now. So that's why, it's one of the reasons I want you guys at team night. It's sometime. Um, There it is. Thursday, May 11th. We're going to have fun. We're going to celebrate. But I'm going to share those seven things that I'm praying for you guys and that I want you to be praying for the church. So if you're on a team, be here. If you're like, I need to be a partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and right now I don't know what that means, be here. And we're going to talk about this stuff. Because prayer is important. So verse 9, he prays. And this is my prayer for us today. This is my prayer for you. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I pray this for us, that our love would just abound more and more. This is why I say we want to be a church that's for Paducah, for our community, because people will be, known, will be known by our love. But we'll also be known that we're a church that grows in depth and knowledge and understanding. And I talked to our team just this week. I said, how are we doing with righteousness and holiness? Because we want to be a church that's constantly saying, God, whatever things you need to pare away from us, whatever things that you need to work on us. Maybe as I, as I started following Christ, I was able to, to have this in my life, but now you're wanting to, to just shave it off. That's why partnerships are important too, because sometimes there's things that we're going through that only somebody else sees. And we want to be righteous, just like this. What that means is just that we are the the best example that we can be of who Jesus wants us to be. 